The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello and a happy, terrific Thursday. Unless you are a Dodgers or Braves fan, it is a terrible Thursday is what we call it. 401, your start time. Eric Franson, I'm Ajay Salveson. Welcome to the Full Court Press on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Boy, what a night. If you went to bed early, shame on you. Shame on you. And if you stayed up, I hope you got some good sleep. (laughs) Unless you're a Dodgers fan or a Braves fan. Wow. Uh, If you're the New York Yankees, you just got to be sitting back. Just a big grin on your face. Having a pina colada with a lime on the rocks. Everybody's stressed out over these game fives. (laughs) If you're the Astros, you got to be freaking out as well with all these upsets going on. Yeah, no kidding. If you're the Rays, you've got some hope coming into tonight's game. Uh, Let's start with the game that nobody wants to talk about but is forced to talk about due to... Well, it's a sports radio show, so we're all forced to talk about it, and uh, that's exactly what we're going to do. Game one of the Game 5s yesterday featured the Cardinals and the Braves, and it went exactly about, well, like this. Swing and a line drive is a base hit in the right field, and the Cardinals take the lead. It's one nothing. 0-1 pitch, swing and a smash, fair pass, first base. That's going to score at least two, maybe three. One run in, two runs in, and a nice play by the right fielder. He cuts it off, and a, a big a two-run double by uh, Tommy Edmond, and the Cardinals uh, grab an early lead. Uh, it's still the first inning. Swing and a smash pass third. That's going to open the bases. It could clear the bases. One run in, two run in. They're going to stop the runner at third now, and the Cardinals lead seven to nothing. Still the first inning. Swing and a... Line drive into left center. That's going to score two more. And the Cardinals lead 9-0. It's a double by Wong. Let her rip, boys. Let her rip. The Cardinals lead 9-0 here in the first inning. Woo! Stop it! Make it stop! The pitch to uh, Osuna. Swing, and it gets away from the uh, catcher. And he goes down to first base, and he's safe at first. And the run scores, and it's 10-0. Wow. Somebody! Oh, wait. We're in the second inning now. With the bases loaded, the pitch. Bader swings, and he singles up the middle. Scoring Colton Wong. Ozuna stops at third. The Cardinals lead 12 to nothing in the third inning. There's another leadoff walk scoring, just like Fowler did in the first inning. We're only down 12 nothing. It's not that bad. The young swings, and he singles into left field. Ozuna scores, and Molina stops at third. The bases are loaded with two outs. And the Cardinals lead 13 to nothing in Atlanta. I'm too drunk for this. Maybe. Going to play. <laughs> oh, that's good. 2-2 pitch from uh, Cabrera. Here it is. Fastball swing and a miss. Struck him out. And your Cardinal uh, team is uh, National League uh, Division uh, <laughs> champions. And they're going to go to the uh, championship series. And uh, they celebrate on the field as they they all gather around uh, the mound. Who did it better, him or? (laughs) Who did it better here? 
Him or uh, this guy? He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. <laughs> He's a Cinderella boy. <laughs> I mean. Honestly, when I heard that final call. Here it is. <laughs> ball swing and a miss. Struck him out. He's got to be pleased Cardinal with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. Cinderella boy. Champions, and they're going to go to the championship series. And I had Norm McDonald in my head. <laughs> Your final score in game five of the NLDS belongs to the Cardinals. 13-1 to in an absolute rout. That's right. Ten runs in the first inning. This game was already over which meant the uh, radio play-by-play could go ahead and just get smashed for the day. His day was already over. Flaherty didn't have to do much. In six innings, four hits, one run. It was earned one walk, eight Ks. He gave up that home run and threw 104 pitches. On the other side, Mr. Fultinowitz uh, lasted not even a first inning. He threw 23 pitches. He gave up three hits, seven runs, six was earned. Thank you, Freddie Freeman. Three walks, no Ks. He threw 23 pitches. And he gave up seven runs. That is what I call high-quality clutch pitching. Uh, by the way, the Braves used one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pitchers. Cardinals used four. Let's start with the winner first. Eric, what a statement by the St. Louis Cardinals to be on the road at Atlanta in a game five. And we look, we've seen this picture before. We've seen this movie, the trailer, and all it's in all its glory, of the Cardinals being that wild card team, just sneaking into the playoffs, and then bam, just like that, they're in the World Series. Are we looking at another Cardinals team to do that again? Uh, well, so, not to get too far ahead of what happened, the other game that happened last night, but yeah, uh, I think that, uh, if I look at the Cardinals-Nationals, and which of those two has the better chance of making it into the postseason, I would probably go with the Cardinals. Just their games earlier in that series, most of the games in the series, they were scrappy wins, right? Their their wins previous to that were one run. It was a close game. It was come from behind or keep it really close throughout. Uh, so last night's game was a real surprise. Um, Nationals, it's been a little bit different. They've either been playing really well or, or really not that great. Uh, so the Cardinals kind of, I get the feel when watching these two series in the National League that the Cardinals are a little more of that scrappy team that's uh, just, they keep giving themselves chances, keep giving themselves hope, and they stay in there. It'll be St. Louis Cardinals' first trip to the NLCS since 2014. Um, and, I mean, just, it was batting practice for them. I mean, especially for, like, Dexter Fowler. And then you have the error by Freddie Freeman, who uh, ends up loading the bases, and that just kind of kickstarts everything. And this waterfall of just catastrophic things happens to the Braves. You have the, the strike three on Dexter Fowler, but it hits off McCann's foot. It rolls to the wall. He has to go fetch it. When he goes to get up and throw it, he slips. Dexter Fowler is safe. A run scores. I mean, this is just absolute embarrassment for the Atlanta Braves. In fact, for Atlanta, 10 straight postseason round loss since its last victory 18 years ago, Eric. By the way, who does that tie? You got it. Chicago Cubs. Remember that 1908 to 2003 little slump they had? Yes. Atlanta's headed that. In fact, Atlanta's already tied it. Well, what's happened since then? 
Yeah, Cubs won a World Series. And then they fired their manager. So, yeah, they're off to a great start. Now, no team had ever scored 10 runs in the very first inning of a postseason game, in any postseason game. And it was the first time the Braves franchise has allowed that many opening inning runs in any game since they were in Boston on July 2nd, 1925, against who? The very famous Brooklyn Robins. I don't even know who the Brooklyn Robins are. <laughs> I don't know who paid for them or played for them. Maybe Jackie Robinson. Uh, but that is how disastrous this game was. And, in fact, after the 10 spot that they put up, they made several changes. I mean, they were just like, you know what? Forget it. We've already won this game. Flaherty hasn't even thrown a pitch yet. We're up 10 nothing. We're in great shape. So they they made 10 Actually, they made like a set of defensive moves, and it was the most ever made by a team before its opponent had batted. By the way, that's according to ESP or Eli's uh, Sports, Sports Bureau stats. Um, and for Jack, I mean, look, when you're walking into the mound in the first inning up 10 nothing, you can take a deep breath, smile, and just throw away. You can be aggressive with your pitches, knowing you're up 10 nothing, And that because for Atlanta, they're going to the plate anxious to get some of that back. And, I mean, Donaldson's swinging at air. Freeman's swinging at a – I mean, he's swinging a paddle that you take for a canoe. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is just, I mean, flinging his bat, whatever, it's coming near him, birds or balls. I mean, it was just that bad of a day. Um, and, by the way, I mean, for, for, and for Mike Fulowitz, he pitched phenomenal in Game 2, right? Had that great Game 2. And then just is horrible in game in this game five. He didn't walk anybody in game two. He started the game with a walk to Fowler, and then that they had that sack bunt, and it was the only but that sack bunt was the only one that Mike actually retired in his twenty three pitches. There was one out, one out in twenty three pitches, four nothing Cardinals in this first inning. Have you? I mean, I don't know if you could have imagined anything more disastrous for the Braves, but on the other side, I mean, this is a cakewalk. Uh, the, I think there were some of us that thought it could be an interesting game, but no, I don't. Nobody saw that coming. Ten runs in the first, I mean, incredible. And they just could not. The the Braves just could not stop the flow uh, of bad stuff that was heading their way. Um, and uh, hand it to the Cardinals. Just man, they were out there chopping wood, making things happen for them. Uh, and they were aggressive, uh, and that was the, that was the mindset um, to throw it all out there, be aggressive, go after everything, um, and try to make things happen for them. And um, too bad those Braves couldn't get it, get it couldn't get it done. So it's what does that do bad, to so a thirty-something-year-old catcher who just lost thirteen to one in Game Five of the postseason? This is everything that I, I wanted to do. I wanted to come back and get a chance at the postseason, and. Uh, you know, this is it for me, so I'm going to go home and be a dad and play with those kids. That's right. Brian McCann, the catcher, after the game, goes to the podium and says, You know what? I might. I'm out. Peace. I ain't doing no 13-to-1 buck kicking. So he takes off, and he's going to retire, um, and, and rightfully so. He's he's done a great job in his career as a catcher, um, and is finally calling to the career. Uh, and, in fact, he was took out in the ninth inning by by uh, manager Sinekur, and this is what he had to say about it. Yeah, I mean, he knew. So, yeah, it was just, I've known Sniff for a long, long time. He was my double-A manager, and like I said, to get a chance to do this uh, with him, you know, this is uh, 
It's something I'll always remember. Yeah, uh, rightfully so. Um, but I think in the end, when you look at it, I, there's so many guys to blame. I mean, in, in the next series we're going to talk about, there's one guy to blame for the way that series ended. In this one, there's a lot of guys to blame on the Braves' side for why they lost. One of them is Freddie Freeman. Um, and this is what he had to say about that f- horrific first inning. We got nine more runs. That was pretty much the game right there. Mistakes. We made way too many. Me personally. All of it. Um, I didn't come through. Um, By the way, they're playing ping pong in there. I know everybody's going <laughs> to say what they want to say. But serious. This one's on me. You're the uh, or long- air hockey. Yeah, I was going to say. Wait, air- <laughs> hey, you know what? Guys, we're good. Let's uh, let's g- grab me some of that uh, champagne that was safe for us to win this game. Yeah, let's. All right, give me some air hockey. Who's up? Who's playing me right now? We got we got to blow off some steam here. <laughs> let's go play air hockey. <laughs> oh man, Eric, have you ever? I mean, look, I I hate to say this, and I'm being sensitive when I say that. Ask this question as a Cubs fan: Have you ever experienced something this disastrous? Would you? Would you have rather would you have rather lost this way or lost the way that the next series that we're about to talk about? Um I, there have been a lot of disastrous postseasons for the Chicago Cubs. Give give me one. Help, help me feel good right now. Well, there was the uh the game the Sammy Sosa's team uh I can't remember the year that it was, but uh, the, the Bartman. You don't remember the year? No, I don't remember what? the year. What? 2003? Okay. Do you remember you who was at the... Okay, who was about to make the catch? Who was the one that was angry who got robbed of the catch? I could see his face clear as day. Oh, you're not a Cubs fan. But his name's escaping me right now. Moises Salou. Yeah, there we go. You put me on the spot. Um, no, I, I think that... Because that season was a, a good regular season. Uh, there was a lot of hope and excitement around the team that year. Um because it was like this revival, because they'd been a very mediocre team for a long time, and things were starting to uh, percolate up that this was a team that was improving and was looking pretty good and had a lot of high hopes, and and things started to collapse. Uh, and that w- that incident, I mean, the, the game was going getting out of hand anyway, but that incident just really let a lot of uh, let a lot of um, or that incident let a lot of air out of the room for that game. And it just got worse, progressively worse, because they focused on it too much. But that was that was pretty catastrophic for the Cubs. Um, but I don't know to to get shelled like that just out of the gates in a decisive game five. That's that's hard. It's that's rough. It's embarrassing, is what it is. It really is embarrassing to get. Just flat out demolished at home. I mean, look, on the road, it can happen. I can understand that. But at home, should never, ever, ever happen. And the Braves continue to add on to their postseason fame of just sucking when they need to be great. It's awesome. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I, <laughs> I, I remember, who is it? One of the old, I call him Creed. Cause he reminds me of Creed. He's old, but he came over. He came in, and he's like, "Hey, Jack Clarity's pitching today, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, why? What's up?" Well, I mean, 
he's gonna be pitching great with a lead like that. And I, I've been looking at some other things, getting ready, stuff ready for a show. So I, I peek at the score, and he watches me peek at it, and my mouth just drops, and he starts laughing at me. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you got five seconds to get away from me before I put my fist in your mouth. And he just sat there and laughed. Then he comes in today, and he's like, man, I was listening to the guy give the scores, and and then he mentions the score again. They didn't just get by. I know. He's like, well, okay, so another guy on another radio station said, and the Cardinals got by the Braves 13-1. to Got by, it seems to insinuate that it was a close one. And it was. And one team barely defeated the other team. Well, they did. It was a close game until the first pitch happened. <laughs> it was a close game until it started. Everything went to heck. Until the <laughs> national anthem. Oh, man. Uh, let me ask you something. Freddie Freemanson, uh, Aaron, the first inning, really jump-started the Cardinals to be like, all right, we're going to put this thing to bed and put it to bed now. When he says it's on me that we lost this game, agree or disagree? No, I disagree. Uh, the, I, I have to give a lot of credit to St. Louis. Just... Sometimes a, a team just plays better, and they just do better in, in, to get the win. It's not so much what you, um, what you do bad, but uh, I think that what was going on in Atlanta wasn't one, on one guy. I, I think that they struggled a couple different things. Um, if your pitchers getting blown up like that, may, I think maybe you make a change a little bit quicker. Uh, obviously, you make mistakes and errors that cost you extra runs. That's a problem. Your defense, keeping guys on base, getting them off the field. There's a lot of things that go into it. So, no, I don't think it's one guy that's to blame for what happened in Atlanta for the Braves. I would agree with you 100%. When you look at the first seven batters for the Braves, one, two, let's see, three, four, five, six, four, 23 between the first seven batters. Yep. No, sorry. Five for 23. Excuse me. One of the hits belonged to somebody else. Yeah, so five for 23. Uh, unless you want to count Trey Flowers coming into bat for McCann in the ninth. It's six for 23. So that means that your first four batters between Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Donaldson go a combined four for four, eight, 12, 16. That's, that's going to win you a lot of ball games, kids. Uh, they just look bad at the plate, and and give credit to to Flaherty, uh, awesome. I mean, dude, his, his breaking ball was great. Uh, just, I mean, and when Atlanta goes to the plate that aggressive in the first inning, you can throw whatever you want, and they're gonna swing at it, and they're gonna swing for the fences. Um, he threw a, he threw two curveballs in the dirt, both were strikes. He threw a he threw a changeup that was low, that was a strike. He threw a fastball way up, left for a ball, and threw that same fastball way outside the plate, and the kid swung at it. I mean, you can be as aggressive as you want, and no, you're not going to get harmed. It's it's something that's, I mean, that's a pitcher's dream right there, an absolute dream. And, and again, 13-1, to Cardinals move on to the NLCS. Who will they face? Well, if you didn't stay up last night, shame on you, everybody, because you missed an absolute dandy of a baseball game. Here's the 1-2 delivery. Swing a line drive right field. That's a base hit toward the line. Rendon being waved in. Peterson throws it in toward the plate. And it is not in time. Rendon scores standing on an RBI single for Juan Soto. 
The Nationals are on the board here in Game 5. Juan Soto drives in his third run of the division series. It's now Los Angeles 3 and the Nationals 1. Nationals were down 3 nothing this game, and it was due to some absolutely spectacular pitching by Bueller, who was on his game. Uh, Bueller was great that night, or excuse me, last night. He was in six and a third, two-thirds inning, four hits, one run. That was earned. That was the one that you just heard uh, from Soto. Three walks and seven Ks, and he, he was uh, put into a couple of jams in the middle innings, but got out of them. Uh, a couple of brilliant double plays put together by the Dodgers, got them out of it. And then they pulled Bueller out, and they went to Kershaw. Okay, well, you're going to an ace who could be a Hall of Famer. What could go wrong? Kershaw's 1-0 to Rendon. Swung on, hit of the year to deep left center field. Taylor going back. Warning track at the wall. He leaps. It is gone. Goodbye. Bang. Zoom goes Rendon on the second pitch from Clayton Kershaw. And this is now a one-run game here in the top of the eighth inning. Rendon with his first home run of the series and the postseason. He drives in his fifth run of this series. And it's now the Dodgers three and the Nationals two with nobody out here at the top of the eighth inning. Here's the pitch. He swings and belts one a deep right center field. Way back. Going. Going. And gone. Goodbye. Halfway up the pavilion. A tremendous game. Tying home run by Juan Soto. I was up during, but I uh, see. So switching from the seventh to the eighth inning, I was sitting there sitting on the couch. Why am I still watching this game? Like, Bueller comes out, Kershaw comes in, strikes out the battery faces, goes to the dugout, and I said, this thing's over. Like, go to bed, Ajay. I was like, oh, you know, I got to lose. I'll watch a baseball game. I mean, Kershaw's coming in, you know, you might as well see the Dodgers go to the NLCS, whippity-daw. I don't know. You, you always, as a sports radio guy or sports analyst, right, we always finish watching the games, right? So then we go to the ninth. We're tied at three. It's silent in the top of the ninth. It's silent in the bottom of the ninth, but it could have made noise. Uh, a couple of hard-hit balls right on the nose of the bat um, go straight at Washington National uh, outfielders. So then that tells you, Eric, at this point, what are you thinking going into the 10th? Just give me your thoughts going into the 10th inning. Well, my thoughts were that, okay, the, the Nationals had a good inning. They had a... They were able to get a hold of a couple of good pitches over Kershaw, but the the Dodgers have taken care of business in this game. Uh, the Dodgers are they're such a great offensive team. They've had some close ones to getting out. They're going to get one of these, and they're going to wrap this thing up, and they're going to walk off, and everybody's going to be excited and happy. Didn't happen uh, that way. After an eaten walk... Rendon hits a ground ball by Rendon was just clutch in this game, wasn't he? All Absolutely. Game. All uh, yeah, game. there you go. Hits a ground rule double to deep left, sends Eaton to third. Soto was intentionally walked, understandable, which then leads to this. With the bases loaded and Mr. Howie Kendricks, who had had a horrible night, opposite of, uh, of Rendon, a horrific night, is up to the plate. Kelly's one-strike pitch. Swing a fly ball, center field deep. Bellinger going back to the warning track, to the wall. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick has done it. They're going crazy in the Nationals' dugout. Howie Kendrick with a grand slam here in the 10th inning of Game 5. The Nationals 7, the Dodgers 3. 
Do you believe it? Oh my gosh. You go from being up 3-0 and then the Nationals scored seven straight thanks to you, Clayton Kershaw, and then turns around and they say, let's go to Joe Kelly. Joe freaking Kelly, who the only pitch he can throw is a fastball, and he throws it hard enough that if you put your bat out there, it's going to go 420 feet. <laughs> and the ball, and he, and Howie Kendricks, who again, who had, I mean, Eric, he had the uh, the ball that went through his legs, and then he uh, he also had a he had a he, he got uh, he grounded into a double play down three to one. Uh, yeah, ground into a double play. I mean, he just could not get anything going. Gets to the plate and crushes one to straightaway center. And in fact, as soon as he hit it, he knew it was gone. He put his head down and started saying something. And t- and gives the uh, Nationals a 7-3 lead. They never relinquish it. Washington Nationals upset the 106-win LA Dodgers 7-3. Move on to the NLCS. Uh, so, do you... Does Dave Roberts get all the blame in this one? Yes, yes. Because like when we were talking about the what happened in Atlanta, we we both kind of agreed that there was blame to go around in multiple places. Yes, 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 yes. But of from my sense of how that game unfolded in Los Angeles is that much of the blame goes on on to Roberts. Though I'm I'm hesitant to put all of it on him. I think that uh, Clayton Kershaw needs to shoulder some of that. Oh, no, absolutely. This is a guy who's supposed to be, well, we'll get in that conversation in just a moment. But, I mean, he's one of your best pitchers, right? And he knew he was coming in at some point in this game. He knew he was going to be in relief. They told him that before the game. He had right, And if you're like the it. Dodgers, you're thinking, okay, look, let's wrap this thing yeah, up. Yeah. We're bringing Clayton Kershaw out. Yeah, put the, put the champagne in our locker room. And put the tarp over it. Let's go. Yeah, this baby's done. And so, but I, yet, I, the thing I, is, is that I like Clayton Kershaw as a. Seems like he's a solid dude. He's been a pretty good pitcher he in had, the regular season. In the regular season, he had one really good game last year in the World Series where he was phenomenal. It was like a two-hour game because he was just so dominant on the mound. But outside of that. He's been very mediocre and has not lived up to the hype in the postseason. No, not at all. Not at all. My, and so that brings me to my next point, Eric. Clayton Kershaw, your opinion, Hall of Famer, yes or no? Clayton Kershaw, Hall of Famer? Yeah. Uh, ooh, I don't know. It, okay, so then that, I guess the, cause I was about... I'm on the if fence. You, if you were to say yes, would you say first ballot Hall of Famer? No. I think he could be a Hall of Famer. I don't know that he's a first ballot guy, though. Just a stunning turn of events all in one inning after bringing in Clayton Kershaw and then seeing back-to-back home runs. One of them from Rendon, who again all night was just terrific. In fact, he goes three for five, three runs, one ribby. So he accounts for four of their seven runs. Soto was also really good, too. He went two for four, two runs, and two ribbies. And Howie Kendrick, again, that one run, he went one for five, Eric. He was 0 for four, going to the plate with the bases loaded. Hey, sometimes all you got to do is connect that one time. Uh, and but, I mean, Rendon, he was, he was what was keeping... 
the Nationals alive. Oh yeah! Oh my uh, gosh! I mean, shout out him. Just right. He kept kept fighting, kept trying to make things happen, kept getting on base. Um, but big big credit to Washington, uh, and uh, and how they played through the whole series. It's the first time the Nationals have won a playoff series for the first time since the team moved to Washington ahead of the 05 season. The franchise reached the NLCS for the second time in 51 years. Um, they overcame, and, and by the way, this is the crazy part. Since May 24th, they've been the best baseball team. Check this out. May 24th, Eric, they were 19-31, and 31, 12 games under 500. They finished 93-69. and 69. And then rallied from a 3-1 8th inning deficit to beat Milwaukee 4-3 in the NL wildcard game. And then rallied from a 3-1 deficit in the 8th inning to beat the Cardinals to go to the NLCS. Yeah, they, they just they have a never-say-die attitude. Oh, man. This team is uh, scrappy. I mean, through the series, on the whole, I think uh, St. Louis exhibited that maybe a little bit better because uh, their games were a lot closer. Um but the, certainly the Nationals have a lot of experience with that in um, digging in when it matters the most and uh, hanging in there and, and making something out of out of what doesn't look like much and to get themselves onto the next level. So, yeah, congrats to the Nats. I mean, that's a it's a great series win for them. Dodgers, wow. And where do you go from here? Uh, that's a good question. It's a team with so much hope, so much expectation, so much uh, hype. Um, and the team that's had a lot of success in the postseason outside of winning a national ch- or a World Series championship, um, but you know they were been to the uh, World Series a couple different times. They've been to the NLCS multiple times, and this year that it doesn't happen for them. Is it just a an inconvenient bump in the road, and they'll be back again next year? Things will be rectified and, and maybe better. Or is this foretelling that things are kind of on the downward slide for this current roster as it currently sits? That they need to start making some changes, either with the roster or with the uh, with the management. Listen, an eight of black spades can only knock on your door so many times before it says "screw it" and it's ripped off the hinges off your door, takes you, and just says you're going to be stuck in this black hole forever. The Dodgers have been to back-to-back World Series, lost in both, then went to the NLDS this year as a 106-win baseball team, one of the best teams in the league, depth-wise especially, and definitely in their bullpen, only to get beat in Game 5 of the NLDS by a team that had to get through an NL wildcard game just to get there, and much more depleted in its depth and in its uh, bullpen than you were. At some point, fingers just got to find somebody and say, it's on you. And that's where we go back to David Roberts. Great guy. Really nice guy. But nice guys always finish last. And for Dave Roberts, look, one too many turns on the table here, and it's just you got to go off. Well, I I think that they, they did some things a little bit differently with their pitching this year. Um, but I, I think that uh, it, it's probably time for them to move on from Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and go out there and find some other pieces. Uh, I think they've got a good offense. I think they've got bats, guys that can uh, really make some things happen. That they're, they're a fun team to watch that way. But 
Um, I, I don't think that they should make dramatic changes with their roster, but I do think they need to make some changes with their coaching. Because yes. it's when it matters the most, it's just not quite there. Uh, clearly, I mean they've they've had a good regular season, they've gotten into the postseason, but they can't win win the big game. Uh, for Clayton Kershaw again, it's that regular season gem versus postseason scrum. In the postseason, he has a four point four three ERA in thirty two postseason appearance. That doubles. Well, that nearly doubles, Eric. His 2.44 ERA over a dozen regular seasons. That's, I mean, that in itself is incredible. And again, and by the way, give a lot of credit to Steven Strasburg, who fell behind early 3-0, didn't flinch, didn't winch, just stayed calm. Great stayed point. Poised, and he stayed out there. Boy, his pitches were incredible. The way he mixed them settled in and speeds. Yep. Yep. Settled in, was able to go... Six plus innings, uh, even though it was rough in the first two, um, and uh, it just not a great start for him. But he was able to get it uh, kind of dialed back in and give credit to the that Nationals management for saying, "No, we still believe in our guy. He's going to get it done. He'll make it happen for us." So, yeah, congrats, congratulations to the Washington Nationals. Oh, that, that was oh no doubt that was a crazy finish. No, no doubt. Yeah, and for just like you said, not giving up. So what does that do now to the NLCS? Well, Washington now heads to St. Louis for a seven-game series. They start tomorrow night, October 11th, 6.08 p.m. That will be on TBS. Projected starters are Anibal Sanchez versus Miles Mikulis. Okay, IJ, I asked asked this before the playoffs began. Uh Now that this first round is through, Uh at least for the Dodgers, I'll ask it again. Wrapping up their division so early... Do you think that mattered in how this playoff series played out for them? Ooh. They had it wrapped up so so early compared to everybody else. They knew they didn't have to work that hard for the last couple of weeks of Major League Baseball. Yeah. Not only did they win their division, <laughs> they won home field. They knew that it was their what their opportunities were for the postseason were already set. Not something they had to worry about. While that can be obviously a good thing, have, wrapping it up so early that that's I think a challenge on a on, on a on that the bench staff there to keep their guys dialed in and keep working and striving and finding ways. Man, even have to manufacture ways to feel slighted. Like, hey guys, we still got some things to prove. Because I just. I wonder that the the Dodgers just weren't quite as dialed in. They weren't fighting as hard as as the Nationals were. Well, and just and focus at the plate, Eric. I mean, Strasburg was restoring pitches in the dirt most of the night because Dodgers would continue. There was no discipline at all from them, swinging at everything. I mean, there were some Bellinger took some bad hacks, as did Seager. Um. But and well, I guess a lot of guys one through the the top part of the lineup were not good at the plate. At least in the bottom half of the innings, but in in some of those losses too, and so yeah, I'd almost say that you know a bit of lack of focus. And again, it goes back on the general manager for not helping that. I mean, as a manager, you can't give the raw raw speech every time, but you can help them understand. Like, look, we are the best team in the NL. Our job is to prove it now. 
well, they went out in five games in, in the NLDS. That doesn't that doesn't do anything. It does quite the opposite, actually. Yeah, you know, I mean, how much does it hurt them? I mean, look, the the Dodgers in their two wins, they averaged eight runs. In their three losses, they averaged what two. Amazing. So, I mean, very, very different team in their when they lost than than when they won. So, uh, I talk about their offense. They just they didn't do enough to give their uh, that pitching staff uh, some run support. So, and you have to give credit to what the Nationals were doing with their pitching staff, keeping them off um, and uh, getting them off the field. So. Yeah, interesting to see what will happen next in Los Angeles for the Dodgers. Really quick, before we go to break, I need to get some audio played here. Um, and really, it's it's all about Howie Kendrick. The guy again was 0 for 4, going to the plate, tied at 3, top of 10th. And he hits a grand slam to give the Nationals a 7-3 lead, which that score would stand. Here is Dave Martinez on... Uh, actually, yeah, sorry, I'll go with... Here's Dave Martinez on their strategy versus Kershaw. No, we just we really was trying to get the ball up on him. Um, he's he's an unbelievable pitcher, and um, you know we we just we need to be patient and just get the, see the ball up in the strike zone. And then here is Anthony Rondon on the Grand Slam hero, Howie Kendrick. Oh man, Howie's been doing this all year. So I mean, personally, it was no surprise. Uh, he's a he's the epitome of a professional hitter. He's what he's like forty five years old, still doing this. Um, but man, I mean, we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna make errors. I mean, we're human. We're not you know perfect people. That's a part of the game. And he's not gonna give up. He's just gonna continue to keep on trucking. And uh, that man can hit. So man, he did what he needed to do. Final score: seven three. Nationals win it. They will face the Cardinals, win thirteen one in the NLCS. That game tomorrow night, six oh eight p.m. on TBS. Uh, and we will have the recap of that game on Monday when we come back. In fact, we'll have recaps of Game 1 and Game 2 of the NLCS and probably Game 1 of the ALCS by that time as well. All right, we got to go to break. Coming back, uh, we've got so much to get into. Uh, we've got more baseball talk. And by the way, a certain publication did their top 10 projections of National Player of the Year awards. You want to take a guess who's on that list? You won't be surprised. Derek France and Natalia Salveson here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. France and LJ South here on the full court press 442 time. Thursday, October 10th. Uh, Aggies are on a bye week for football. They get ready for Nevada next week, 815 on ESPNU. We'll get you your in the know next week as well. Uh, and by the way, Region 11 football takes place. Speaking of in the know, which is on a Wednesday, Region 11 football is also on a Wednesday night. And uh, a lot three of the four, three of the four teams playing will be on the road. Bear River will be at home against Clearfield. Skyview has a night off. No. Skyview will be playing Providence Hall. Logan has the night off. Oh, you told me yesterday that Skyview had the night off. No, I did not. Yes, you did. Mm-mm. That's irresponsible journalism by you. It's not true. It's fake news. 
It's not fake news when you tell me something. Fake news from you. Uh, tonight, speaking of uh, big teams going, uh, having to go to a do-or-die game, Houston Astros are one of them. This was was definitely unexpected as they now they have to deal uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays in a Game 5 in Houston. Uh, right-hander Tyler Glans, is it Glansnow? Glassnow. Glassnow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be going for the Rays, but don't expect him. And now he's been given the green light to go deep into the game. I would assume that they're going to use a variety of different pitchers, though, because Eric, that's what's been working for the Rays, and they're and that's what's been working for the whole series to get them up to a game five. Yeah, it looks like the Rays are playing with their lineup a little bit, um, with who they're going to have uh, different spots, just to see if that throws off Garrett Cole a little bit. Um, So this will be an interesting chess match with the pitching staff uh, and who they put on base or different positions in the the batting order. But this game will be at 5 o'clock on FS1 coming up here just uh, 20 minutes from now. Um, And this this has been an interesting series too that when you look at what's happened here with the Astros, one of the best teams um, in the American League, Struggling against the Rays, uh, early command in the series, and then the Rays blew up uh, Game Three. And did that? Do you think that kind of break the Astros' will or their spirits a little bit? Because the Rays take care of business again in Game Four, yeah, it, to force the Game Five. It might have a little bit, but again, when you have Game Five at home, but again, you can't take that at granted, right? Dodgers Braves had Game Five at home. Yeah, both of them are now sitting on the couch watching the NLCS. Well, this is different from those other series where the road teams had picked, were able to pick up a win here or there. This has been a situation where the home team has won each time. And so, uh, but the, uh, so the game is going to be in Houston. I guess maybe that gives them the edge if it's always the home team winning in this series. But the Rays have the momentum behind them. Yeah, absolutely no doubt. And for Kevin Cash, the manager of the Rays, uh, he talks about how, for these players, they don't seem worried about about this at all. They're pumped. They seem pumped. They seem consistent with how they've been uh, from from September on in, in a lot of these, you know, must-win type of ball games. I know there, there's no must-win game in September, but it certainly felt like there was that we played enough in. We've already played in three of them here in this postseason. Uh, I give them a lot of credit for staying consistent, and you, you don't see the, the, the anxiousness, the tension, anything like that. It, 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 if, if there is, they're doing a good job of disguising it. For the Rays, they're going to be facing uh, the hard-throwing Garrett Cole, who will uh, who has been un- unbeaten over, uh, over his last 23 starts, Eric. Unbeaten over his last 23 starts on the mound, and it should help the Astros have a little bit of comfort knowing being back at Minute Maid Park with a pitcher like that on the mound. That look, if we give him three to four runs, we're probably going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, Cole's on the mound for game two. 15 strikeouts. He lasted more, a little over seven innings. Uh, he was dominant in that game two win. And so, how long can he go tonight? Um, and, uh, or will they need to, some, some relief there to help him out? But uh, he looked very good in Game 2, and Houston, I, I think they've got to have some confidence with him and what he was able to do last time he was on the mound against the against the Rays, that he should be able to get things done for him. Here's Kevin Cash on facing Cole again in the series. I don't know if you can do much differently. It's really easy for me to sit up here and say, uh, get aggressive, don't go deep in counts with him, but... 
that's much easier said than done. Um, so you just hope that the guys took something from game one, saw enough pitches from them that they can use that in their game plan here right out of the gate. And for the Astros, they got to figure out this pitching staff of the Rays. This is a team that with 107 wins, which was a franchise record in the regular season, has all of a sudden had their bats go quiet. In the regular season, they led the majors in batting at 274, on base 352, slugging percentage was 495. Now they have slashed Eric a whopping 163 points below the regular season mark of 848. They're now batting at 241. Their on base is 294. Their slugging percentage is at 391 right now in this ALDS alone. This race pitching staff has given them all sorts of fits. Yeah, I give them credit. Uh, this is a team that has a pitching staff that not a lot of people know their names. Not a lot of players on the Rays in general that a lot of people know their names. Um, and uh, this is a, a scrappy club with a very small payroll that's uh, out there just believing in themselves and trying to make some things happen. Uh, the Houston Astros, they've won a World Series. They've been deep into the playoffs. They've got some some uh, great names on the mound for them. So it, I don't want to use the whole David versus Goliath thing in this uh, this series here with the Rays and, and the Astros, but it is a team with the with Tampa that's flown under the radar for a lot of different reasons, and people are waking up to the fact that this is a team that uh, that plays some interesting ball. That there's not a lot of holes in the order and there's they can get you in a lot of different ways is what they've proven especially here in the postseason yeah that's the thing is that with this i mean the way that their ability to be able to win ball games in all sorts of different ways is what makes this team so fun to watch you want to play long ball they'll do it you want to play small ball they'll do it and now they're throwing out four or five different pitchers at you in a game and, and all of them have different varieties. You have a guy who's a breaking ball pitcher. You have a guy who's a slow pitcher. You have a guy who's a, I mean, who will just rock it, you know, rock back and throw it and let it go. Um, and for that, I think that's what the Astros are going to have to make an adjustment to tonight is facing those different pitchers. Now, how long does uh, Tyler go tonight is going to be the question. Is he going to go five, six, or seven tonight? It's, I think that's mostly going to depend on two things. One, what, how good he's pitching. I mean, his pitch count. And then two, are the Astros figuring them out? Sometimes, well, all the time usually, a a good baseball team will figure out a pitcher after seeing them once. Maybe twice. Can the Astros finally get that done? Can they figure Tyler out throughout the, through their first time up, come back and start tagging him? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, As you said, he has been given the clearance to go a little bit deeper. They uh, haven't had him go very deep. Uh, into the into the game yet? Uh, when he's been, he was only three innings uh, in game two, um, or last time he pitched. Uh, but uh, this is a this is a franchise that's not afraid to throw a lot of different guys at you and just keep you off and keep you guessing, and just to really rely heavily on their bullpen. And so far, it's been working okay in there for enough for the uh, for the Rays against the Astros. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap up the first hour. Eric, can you believe that we're already through one hour? I just looked at the clock and thought, oh, my gosh. We'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the first hour, and we'll get you ready for the next hour, which will include Utah Jazz. Boy, what a butt kicking that was yesterday. Zion Williamson, who looked absolutely spectacular in his debut. Uh, pick six. We pushed the last two weeks. We need a winner, finally. We gotta. We might have a way to finally get a winner to do so.
Stay tuned. Huh. You thought of a tiebreaker? Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's all. Come on the Full Court Press. It's Eric France and Amadre Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Um, it's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. You came in to Four fifty-four time, Eric France and Hajay Salas. <laughs> Eric, uh, you've got an important event tonight, man. I need you to be ready to go. I need you mentally, emotionally. I need you there too. Spirit- I, need, I need your support okay. spiritually. I need someone to physically hold the cards. Metaphorically, I need you there. You know how you see some. Uh, sometimes it's football. You see it a lot more in basketball. Uh, like the coat or the, uh, the the their bench will have different cards that they'll show up that they'll show, and sometimes they're like weird images or cartoons, and it's like to call in what the play should be. So you you need to do that for me. Help me out tonight. <laughs> you want me to be your sign holder tonight? Yeah, Eric. I've got important things. I got to go to Aggie Madness and support the Utah State men's and women's basketball teams at the mm. Wayne Etzel Center. Tonight at eight thirty, I, I gotta be there. I really want to be there too, but no, I actually I'm gonna be moderating a candidate forum in Providence City. Dude, that hey, is this the first you've ever done that? No. Oh, you this is. I've done it many times. Really? Yeah. How does it feel? For some to be- reason, I even though I screw up and I'm horrible at it every time, they keep asking me to come back. What's the worst question you've ever asked? Well, usually I'm not the one coming up with the questions. I'm just questions come from the audience. Have you ever done anything that like could have got you in trouble? Probably, I'm sure. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta hear these stories. I've gotta hear these stories. No, you don't. I really do. No, you don't. I want to hear. Uh, what, wait, what's it called? Me- meteor? What do you? What do you? What are you? Moderator. The moderator. I gotta hear moderator Eric. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in Providence City, though, you should go. Learn about your candidates. 6.30 it's, at uh, Spring Creek Middle School. If you want to avoid it, you can. You can go to the... <laughs> yeah, if you don't live in Providence, go <laughs> up to Aggie Madness. That'll be at 8.30 in the Wayne Estes Center. That's right, 8.30 I'm tonight. I'm sure it'll be more interesting. Men's and women's basketball teams will be a part of it all. Competitions, a dunk contest from the men's squad, and they'll interact with the students and the fans. Free pizza will be uh, served. Free and open to the public, correct, Eric? Yes. Okay, just wanted to make from sure. From what I understand... Uh, but yeah, everybody get out there to the way necessary. Should be fun tonight. Parking will be limited. So be there or be square. Eric France and Abby in second hour full court press coming up next. This is above the noise. No team faced more pressure entering the MLB postseason than the LA Dodgers. This was their seventh straight postseason with no championship to show for it. They won 106 games this season, but there were concerns. Their ace, Clayton Kershaw, has been vulnerable in previous playoffs, and the back of their bullpen has been shaky at best. Both of those fears came to fruition on Wednesday night. Kershaw blew a late lead against the Nationals, and then manager Dave Roberts didn't even go to closer Kenley Jansen. Instead, he went to Joe Kelly, who led up a game-winning grand slam to Howie Kendrick. The Dodgers are going home with more questions than ever. As talented as they are, fans have to wonder if it's ever going to happen with this group. Kershaw is a surefire Hall of Famer, will probably take most of the heat along with manager Dave Roberts. But for all those people who love the Dodgers, figuring out who to blame won't ease this pain heading into a long offseason. 
I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.